Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. All right, you guys, I'm trying to bribe Peyton. We have four chapters left, and then we have like some fun chapter stuff. Yeah? Yeah? Oh, gosh, she's eating my hand. That weird, freaky, deaky kid. Okay, we have four chapters left, and I'm bribing her with ice cream so we can just power through this, and you guys can <laughs> wake up in the morning, and you just, you just listen to the rest of the book. And then the next day, which will be tomorrow, we'll do the fun chapters. Okay. Dude, four chapters. Can you do it, Peyton? If you stay up for four chapters, you get ice cream. <laughs> okay, she's doing it, queens and kings. Um, we're gonna do, remember we're saving shoutouts until after this book because we're really trying to power through this. And Peyton's Wait. not exactly the powerhouse reader no. because she falls asleep. No, I don't do um shoutout. We don't have time. We got to get through this. Okay, ready? No, no, no. The name of this book is Secret, Chapter Twenty Nine. The spy hole didn't allow them to see the entire room at once, but by shifting angles, they could piece it together in their heads like a collage. The floor was tiled with translucent stone and the color of tropical ocean, and it extended further in all directions than you would have thought possible from the outside. The walls, which were covered in gold leaf, stretched all the way up to the pyramid's top, where an open skylight allowed in light from the midnight sun's glow lantern, glowing lantern. A raised altar stood in the middle of the room and on top of the altar stood a large iron bowl, smaller than a Volkswagen, but bigger than a witch's cauldron. Oh my gosh, we have a Volkswagen, the VW Beetle. Ah, we have two. Raised, a raised altar stood in the middle of the room, Volk, okay, Volkswagen, duh, sorry, in which fire burned with the same iridescent flame as the lantern above. The audience surrounded the altar on all sides, creating kind of a theater in a round. Straightening in their seats, they stared at the fire with a sort of thirst, like desert animals stalking on an oasis. Almost almost among them sat hand, among them sat handfuls of people cast recognized as having been spa guests all members it seemed of this client of this ancient alchemist cult although they couldn't see see her Cass and max ernest could hear miss mavius's icy voice echoing all the way down the passageway where they stood remember they're in a hallway they snuck behind the mirror room and they're sneaking through they're looking through a little peaky hole pyramid um where they stood the pyramid had acoustics of a world-class concert hall miss mavius was not however hosting a concert far from it i know how eager we are all to begin she was saying but i believe we have a couple of birthdays to celebrate this evening by standing on tiptoe Cass and max ernest discovered they would catch a glimpse of miss mavius standing at the altar beside the fire she was dressed always in gold but she was wearing now what looked like some kind of egyptian headdress and her eyes were lined with black coal 
She could have been Cleopatra addressing her subjects. Roxana, sweetheart, stand, will you, so we can see your lovely face? A young woman, she looked anyways not much older than a girl, stood up and smiled shyly at the crowd. How old are you today? Ninety-seven? Still so young. Look at her, everyone. No more than a teenager. They applauded politely, and then she blushed politely. Pretty, prettily, then sat down. No, no picture. You know. Now, Itamar, darling, where are you? She asked, Miss Mobius, looking at her audience. Will you please indulge your old students and stand up? Oh my gosh, let's see how old he is. An old man raised himself up from his cane. It was a ghost. It was ghost pale and almost expressionless, as if human emotion cost him too much effort but his eyes were alive and watchful and he wore sleek black suit so impeccably tailored it seemed by itself to hold up his skeletal frame today altamar turned 489 489 years old can you believe it our very own renaissance man take a bow altamar the room applauded more vigorous this time Atmar bowed his head ever so slightly, then lowered himself back into his seat. All of you here, all of you brave souls, you are all testimonies to our success. Every year our elixirs grow stronger and our lives grow longer. And yet, Miss Mavius' tone turned somber, and yet we must face it. The ultimate triumph has eluded us. We call ourselves the masters of the midnight sun, but still we chase the sun. We have not won. Her eyes lit up as she proclaimed with a flourish of the arm, until now. Back in the passageway, Max Ernest was shaking his head. It isn't possible. It isn't. It just isn't. I mean, a hundred and fifty, maybe. You saw her hand, whispered Cass. Yeah, but people, people would know. It would be, it would be in books. Shh. The audience had fallen quiet. Dr. L was taking his place on the other side of the fire. This is what they'd all been waiting for. To a baby, there are not five senses but one, Dr. L announced in a tone that was part of part doctor, part priest. The world is a blur of sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch, and maybe a sense that we don't even know about. As babies grow older, the senses, um, the senses separate from each other and forget that they are all, they are all once sang the same, that they all once sang the same song. He spoke. As he spoke, Dr. L, searching, searchingly at his audience, measuring their reactions, making sure that he had everyone's full attention. It was as if he was still the circus performer he'd been as a boy. And yet, the white smock he wore was more appropriate for a ritual sacrifice with a magic trick. We think this new adult adult word world as reality, but if it is reality that is lost, but if it is reality that is lost, what if the real world were the baby's world, and a world where everything and everyone was interconnected? Dr. L paused dramatically, then gestured to a spot behind the fire. There are a few, like this boy here, 
who hold on to that world, the real world, to tell into adulthood. Max Ernest gasped and Cass covered her lips with her with her hand. Will you do me a favor? Will you turn the light on? Because I'm having a really hard time seeing in here. It's, it's way too dark, honey. Oh my god. What? Is it Benjamin Blank? Oh, Blake? Yeah, I'm guessing. Probably. Okay, remember you have your microphone attached, oh, yeah. so just be careful. Hey, it's not my fault, but you want me to remember. I know, I can't see anything. It's like my eyes are struggling, guys. Okay. I am gonna... Can we... Are we able to open this up just, like, slightly? Oh my gosh. Can you see the light tonight? Oh my god, so much better. Okay. Jiminy Christmas. Um, okay. Uh, Cass covered her lips with her hand. Dr. L stepped into the side, allowing the fire to illuminate his young patient. Benjamin was strapped inside a strange and intricate contraption that bind him that combined the most sadistic features of a dentist chair with the most lethal elements of an electric chair. His bald head was restrained on an un at an un at a nut blah, 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 at an unnatural angle, and his uh, his closed eyes twitched continuously. A jumbled maze of glass tubing surrounded him like a long twisted ivy. He appeared to be asleep, but hardly restful. These lucky people experience life as a rainbow of sensation called senescia, Dr. L continued. Their brains are living treasures, for they hold the key to the secret that we have sought so long. As if to illustrate Dr. L's words, Benjamin trembled violently in his seat. In the passageway, Cass and Max Ernest watched transfixed. It was easy to imagine that Benjamin's brain was seeing indescribable things. For centuries, we, we followers of the true science, we have searched for our so-called philosophers. We do me a favor, we turn that light off because that light is like shining right in my eye and it's, yes, queen. No, you just told me to turn the light. No, no, no. The light that's shining directly in my retinas, please off. Okay, we gotta do something about this, guys. I'm struggling here. How do we do this? Okay. Hold on, guys. I just got it. I have to have some light. My eyes are like starting to get strained. We're in Peyton's treehouse bed and she made it into a fort, which is awesome. But it's not awesome to read in the dark. Okay. Got it. Um, Philosopher's stone, melting metals, or mixing chemicals, or digging in the dirt. We have looked everywhere except for the one place that we might have found it in the middle of the philosopher himself. Dr. L held up a stick. It was long and slender and bent at the end. It appeared very old. With this reed, the Egyptians vacuumed the internal organs of the dead. We will use it in much of the same way, although tonight we won't be making a mummy. Well, not exactly. His audience, the, his audience chuckled leeringly as if he were describing an amusing but tasty dish. First, we will enter throughout the through the sinuses here, then travel upwards to extract the cerebral fluid from the patient's ventricle system. Remember the spooky, okay, don't say it because it's spooky and a lot of kids are not allowed to watch it, but do you remember that spooky thing, the spooky show we were watching earlier where he, I said the lobotomy where they take a piece of brain out through nose? That's what we're, they're going to do to him. Oh my gosh. Um, Dr. L touched the reed to the bridge of Benjamin's nose and then traced a line upwards to the, to the back of Benjamin's head unconsciously 
Max Ernest touched his own head. Dr. L, he remembered, had 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 similar plans for him. Yep. In essence, a spinal tap through the nose, Dr. L summarized. For this boy, I'm afraid the brain brain dead is near certainty. Why are they doing it to him? Because they need his spinal fluid. Just to, you'll, I, you'll see. For this boy, I'm afraid, I'm afraid brain death is nearly certain, but a price worth paying, I think, because what we get in return is nothing less than a life itself, everlasting life. As he said those words, why couldn't he, they get a kid that was that, that smart? Because they have to have a kid with synesthesia. What does that mean? That's the senses. Remember where the senses are messed up? Mm-hmm. Why? That Don't know. Well, let's find out. He sm pulled out a small vial out of his pocket and poured the contents into the fire beside him. The fire flared up high, his flames bright and yellow, and suddenly the pyramid was filled with a smell of sulfur. Everlasting life, Dr. L replied. Wait, did they already yank it out? Not yet. Cass, whispered Max Ernest. Wait, is Benjamin awake? But, yep. Then why is he? I think he's, like, drugged or something because he's, like, dreaming. He's, like, you know. But I'm trying to think of a way to save Benjamin. They're going to stick, suck his brains out any second. I know. Then let me think. Remember how I let you? I was going to say that that vial looks like he got it from the Symphony of Smells. That's it. What? That's how we save him. Come on. We're going to go up there. She pointed to the open skylight on top of the pyramid. Max Ernest stared. Up there? How? From outside. Follow me, said Cass, already starting to retrace their steps. When they got to Miss Mobius's office, Cass stopped to take the symphony of smells out, out of the closet. But I'm glad they took it. I thought you said it was too heavy, said Max Ernest. It's for my idea. They were about to exit the office when they heard footsteps coming their way. Putting a finger to her lip, Cass, Cass silently closed the office door. Hello, is someone there? Daisy's voice called out. They crouched down behind Mrs. Mobius's desk, their hearts thumping in their ears. If Daisy entered, they would be caught for certain. Miss Mobius, doctor, Daisy addressed the office door. I'm just, I had to get some food for those kids. I'm on my way back now. We won't, won't be a second. The big woman hesitated. Then, hearing nothing, she continued on her way. Cass and Max Ernest exhaled. I think she was scared that she was going to get in trouble, whispered Cass, stifling what would have been a giggle in more, than a rela in more relaxed circumstances. A moment later, they stood up in front of the moat and the drawbridge, but the drawbridge had been pulled up. Oh no, said Max Ernest. What are we supposed to do now? This, said Cass, pushing him into the moat. But I can't swim. You don't have to. See, you're standing. I am? The water's only about waist deep. But that didn't prevent Max Ernest from complaining that he was drowning as they waded across. Come on, hurry, said Cass. He's going to be brain dead any second. When they got to the other side, they started scrambling up the pyramid without pausing off to dry. The stone blocks were big and slippery, and sometimes Cass and Max Ernest had to use their hands to pull themselves up. Somehow they managed to climb the pyramid in less than it would take for most to climb up a staircase at home. So what's the plan? asked Max Ernest, panting when they got to the top. Oh, man. It's getting good. Okay, you guys ready for the next one? Yes. <laughs>